Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. This is Tom Harris. Welcome to Tom Harris Live. The date is July 16th of 2011 and the end of an era today, folks. Seriously, I'm, I'm completely serious about this. This is the end of an era. And the reason why this is the end of an era is because this is the very last United Kingdom radio program. And this has been kind of going on behind the scenes for a long time. And this is it. I'm the last host standing, as it were. Um, it, it, and it's been kind of coming for a while. It's been, it kind of started with, uh, with Chris Reardon leaving United Kingdom Radio. Now, Chris Reardon owns United Kingdom Radio. He owns the domain. He owns the, the, the kind of the whole thing, lock, stock, and barrel. And we've been kind of limping along for the last few months since Chris left. And there has been, of course, you know, many plans to shift over to something new, to, to have kind of a new system, a new station, and you know, whatever. And for whatever reason, I'm not casting a blame or anything, but that has not yet happened. Well, finally, I think the last few of us have, have gotten really sick of waiting. Um, Suko has left the station. Uh, she is now on Reach FM. Uh, Reach on Air. Sorry, Reach on Air. So, so go to Reach on Air tomorrow at the usual time to hear Suko's show. She's on Sundays from 11 a.m. UK, uh, U.S. time, which would be 5 p.m. over in the U.K., and she'll be over there with Cyber John on Reach on Air. Um, but this is the final United Kingdom radio show. Now, the last straw for me is that the United Kingdom radio site went down, and Lee has not brought it back up. Now, I don't know if that's all Lee's fault. I don't know if he has access. I don't know what. I mean, the, the way that works is that there was a redirect of the, the website that Lee made, which is never getting updated, uh, to this domain that Chris owned, and that apparently doesn't work anymore. Chris claims that it wasn't him. You know, he didn't cut it off, and Lee claims it's not him. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at this point because, really, United Kingdom Radio is not United Kingdom Radio if you have one host, me, and he's not even from the UK. It doesn't make sense. So, you know, I as unbitter as I'm trying to be about this, there is really not a lot of sense in pretending anymore to be United Kingdom Radio when I'm the only one there. So for the time being, this is going to be my last show. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm going away, and I'm going to be very upfront about this. I have my own site. All of my shows are posted to my own site, which is TomHarrisUSA.com. So anybody who is interested in listening to me, they can go over to TomHarrisUSA.com. Now, that being said, with United Kingdom Radio gone, there is something coming. I don't know when. I don't know how. This is all being organized by Lee Mills. Now, you know Lee Mills. He's the guy who says, Chant! And <laughs> Lee has... It in the works, a, a new station. 
and I have sort of provincially kind of said, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in being on the news station and we'll go back to doing my live show when the news station exists. But for the moment, there's no United Kingdom Radio website, so nobody can find us. The only people out there, I see we have two listeners right now, and, and I, I thank you both of you uh, for, for being out there. The, the thing is, is that if nobody can find the show, and there's no easy way for people to get to the show, then I think it's, it's smart to, just prudent, to take a little bit of a hiatus. So for now, this is the last Tom Harris Live show. Now, that is not to say that I'm going away, because, of course, you know I do another show, Radio Free Asgard, which is posted every Thursday over at RadioFreeAsgard.com. If you're into mythology, if you're into comics, etc., that's sort of the place to go. And, and you can go and check it out there and, and participate in that show. And... What I'm going to be doing for the next few weeks, at least until the new station is up and running, and that could be next week, it could be next month, it could be 10 years from now. I don't know. It just kind of depends on Lee Mills, you know, the guy who says, Chance. And, <laughs> you know, it's going to depend on, on him getting his act together, getting the station up and running. And when that happens, I will let everybody know. Because I do, I love this idea of broadcasting to the world. I love this idea of having an international reach, of having people in other countries who actually listen to the show. But at the same time, I'm not going to keep doing it for, for two people. So that's why I said, you know, I'm going to take a hiatus. And like I said, you know, everyone else is already gone. Excuse me, I have a little cough here. <clears throat> yeah, sorry about that, folks. Um, everyone else is already gone. Suko is on Reach on Air. You know, Ross has gone off and done his own thing. Chris is going off and doing doing his own thing. You know, and most of the other people are just not on the radio anymore at all. So that is is kind of it. So I hate to say it, but this is the last United Kingdom radio show. Oh, I, I should say the last show. <laughs> You know, I actually thought about um, doing the show today and filling in with all the little bits that I used to do, all the little features that I used to have, like playing 4x4, four four, having the music quiz, and <laughs> having a retro show. But I, ultimately, I just couldn't be bothered. Oh, we have three people watching now. Hey, hello to whoever the third person is. Probably Patrick. Hello, Patrick. Um, so that that's kind of what's going on. And I, I hate to say it, but... This is it, you know, for, for United Kingdom Radio. Now, you can call into the show. The phone number still works. It'll be working for another three days. 020-3287-1488. If you're in the UK, it is not a premium rate number. It would cost you the same as if you're calling London. So if you want to be on the show and you're in the UK and you want to call on the phone, please feel free to do so. would like to get some calls for this kind of this last live show for a while. And uh, if anyone wants to call them, they can. I have a few things that I can talk about, but uh, yeah, not, I didn't prepare that much, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, and I will say that uh, you know I appreciate each and every one of you who's been kind of sticking with me for these last few weeks when, when there really hasn't been anything else going on on the station. 
because it, it really does speak to your loyalty that you're still here with me. And, and you know, I'm not going away. So just keep keep that in mind. You know, I'm going to be doing some pre-recorded shows over on TomHarrisUSA.com. And there, I will be probably posting those shows on Wednesdays. I'm not absolutely sure about that. Um, we have some Skype messages coming in here. Hang on just a moment. James is saying uh, he's one of the listeners. Um, and, uh, okay, and, and James is recommending that I go over to 1000 Mics. Uh, dot com. I may do that, and and I'm going to um, think about that. Now, I already have a thousand mics account, and one of the things that I've been thinking about doing for a while is is going on to thousand mics and kind of doing my old shows. You know, kind of playing out my old shows on thousand mics and and having a regular slot over there and. The reason why I haven't been doing that is just a lack of time and and a lack of, of inclination, quite frankly. Um, but uh, thanks, James, uh, for for being out there. And James is, of course, one of my very loyal listeners and correspondents. He's, he's one of the people who sends emails, which you know are always very very valuable, uh, and, and they're great. I mean, it's 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 always great to get email. And you know, here in the podcast business, I've been doing this now for. You know, going on three years that I've been doing podcasts now, and it is very rare to find people who are willing to step up and to um, actually send an email. Because a lot of people are just kind of, they want to be out there and they just want to be quiet and listen to the show. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not, I'm not you know, saying that there's anything wrong with that because there really isn't. But yeah, a thousand mics, that is a, a, uh, an option. But it, you know, like I've said, I am. Um, I've told Lee, you know, you know, Lee Mills, the guy who says, "Chance." I, I've told him that I am interested in participating in his new station whenever this comes about. The problem is, is that Lee and his wife they just had a new baby, so they're really busy. As far as I know, Lee is still not working, so he's probably in the same boat that I am, that he's spending a lot of time work looking for work, and that takes away from being able to do radio stuff, and it's quite understandable. And I've already told Lee, I told him yesterday, that today was going to be the last show here on United Kingdom Radio, and after that, then I'm just going to go ahead and do some pre-recorded stuff. Now, you know, those of you who maybe are new or haven't been listening all that long, I was doing a pre-recorded podcast called Tom Harris USA uh, over at TomHarrisUSA.com. And I did that for a couple of years, including an overlap when I was doing the live show and the pre-recorded show as well. Uh, two shows is about my limit. <laughs> so, and that's kind of what, what I got going right now. I mean, I'm doing two shows now and I was doing two shows then, but uh, probably won't be doing a third show. Obviously, it's it's just a lot of work. It's so much work to you know, to to put together a podcast. And I'm not going to lie. And I, I've always thought that the other hosts are being a bit disingenuous when they say I spent 12 hours preparing for my one hour show. You know, but it does take some time to do. And you know, normally for the live show, I would put about three hours of maybe four hours of preparation into each program. There are some shows that got no preparation at all. 
So it just kind of depends, and yeah, that's just kind of the way it is. You know, if, if as I was being overwhelmed during the week, and as was happening during a lot of the time at my last job, um, I wouldn't always have time to sit down and prepare the Radio Free Asgard show. On the other hand, that takes forever to put together. That takes you know, I, I could spend six hours on that show, and you know, and it's because it's a pre-recorded show. There's a fair amount of editing involved which I don't have going on on this show. This show is completely live, so I can't cut out the and, um, but, um, the, um, and, uh, the, uh, you know, and I spend a lot of time cutting that stuff out of the other show. So that, that's uh, kind of where we are. So once again, if you want to uh, Skype in, 020-3287-1488, or you can Skype in United Kingdom Radio for the very last time. This is the end of an era, folks, like I've been saying. All right, so I'm going to go ahead while I am waiting for people to want to call in, and I'm going to do the very last Today in History. All right, everyone's favorite feature, right? (laughs) July 16th in history. In 622, July 16th, 622, we have the origin of the Islamic era. Muharram 1, 1-A-H. In 1099, the Crusaders, I think this is the second second crusade? I think it was the second crusade or first crusade, uh, herded the Jews of Jerusalem into a synagogue and set it on fire. Yeah, real nice people, those crusaders. In 1426, Jeanne d'Arc, Jeanne of Arc, led the French army into the Battle of Orléans. In 1439, kissing was banned in England. I think that was to uh, reduce the the plague. Not really sure about that. In 1935, the first automatic parking meter in the United States was installed in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. In 1951, the abdication of a nasty character. King Leopold III of Belgium abdicated his throne in 1951. I believe his uh, son, Baudouin, became king at that point. 1951 was the publication of every psychopath's favorite novel, Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger. It was published today in 1951. In 1969, Apollo 11, carrying the first men to land on the moon, was launched from Cape Canaveral, Florida. In 1971, Generalissimo Francisco Franco appointed Prince Juan Carlos of Spain as his deputy. And of course, uh, after Franco's death, Juan Carlos became the king of Spain once again, the restoration of the monarchy there. In 1979, another another, uh, shift of power here, as President al-Bakr of Iraq is succeeded by Saddam Hussein. In 1980, the Republican Party denominated Ronald Reagan as their presidential candidate in Detroit. In 1982, would-be Messiah Sun Myung Moon was sentenced to 18 months in prison for tax fraud. That guy is still out there doing it, too. I mean, it, it, there's a Mooney church just like a block away from here. In 1990, Ukraine declared its independence from the USSR. Actually, was it Russia at that point? It might have been Russia at that point. And in 1994, the first parts of Comet Shoemaker-Levy hit the planet Jupiter. And uh, the Shoemaker-Levy actually was a it was a comet 
I don't know if anybody remembers this. This was so cool. I, I remember real, being real impressed by this at the time. The Shoemaker Levy was a comet that broke apart and was sort of strung out in bits over over a pretty large area. And was they, it looked, people would compare it to a string of pearls. And uh, it, it, it eventually Jupiter caught it in its gravitation and these uh, little bits of the comet hit Jupiter, made these big black spots on Jupiter that, that uh, uh, persisted for a couple of weeks before they finally faded. Anyway, famous birthdays on July 16th include Mary Baker Eddy, the founder of Christian Science in 1821. In 1872, Roald Amundsen was born in Norway. He was an explorer and was the first person to discover the North, oh, sorry, the South Pole. In 1901, the composer Mahler, Fritz Mahler, was born. In 1907, Barbara Stanwyck, the actress from Big Valley, Thornbirds. She was born in Brooklyn, New York in 1907. Also in 1907, Orville Redenbacher, the founder of the Orville Redenbacher's Gourmet Popcorn Company, was born. In 1911, Ginger Rogers was born Virginia McGrath in Independence, Missouri. She was uh, known for being Fred Astaire's dance partner. In 1947, Orenthal James Simpson, otherwise known as OJ, was born. Uh, of course, you know everyone knows about OJ Simpson. In 1952, Stuart Copeland was born uh, in Alexandria, Virginia. He's the drummer for the police. 1953, actor Mickey Rourke was born. And in 1956, Ian Curtis of Joy Division was born. The late, great Ian Curtis. In 1958, Michael Flatley, Lord of the Dance himself, was born. Where would you think he would be born? Well, he's, you know, Lord of the Dance. Irish? Would he be? No, he was born in Chicago, Illinois, in 1958. I, I keep telling you folks that we have a lot of Irish, we have more Irish people in Chicago than there are in Dublin. Um, 1963, Phoebe Cates uh, was born, the actress. And in 1971, one of the two Corys, Corey Feldman, was born in Encino, California. And that is the very last today in history all right so here we are and um my original my original idea for for the show today was to talk a little bit about um oh hang on a second we have a call coming in hello greetings tom how are you good this is your first call to my show isn't it cyber john yeah you know i keep joining things like you know the suko show and, and and different clubs and that and it's always the case they seem to close about two or three weeks or a month <laughs> am, I, am i jinxed i'm wondering about that well it sounds and, like me it's uh, to be honest i mean the last two jobs that i've had have, have ended with me shutting down the company you're kidding no no <laughs> i joined the i joined a sword club i did, did a renaissance sword fighting for about and that only lasted a month before the master said I'm going back to Chicago. My wife's had an adulterous affair with the Bishop of Durham or someone, uh, allegedly. And that was it. Uh, he left his deputy in charge, but it was never the same after that. Yeah. I also got into the, the play talk scene, the, the, the Tommy Boyd uh, show he used to do over here. Right. Literally, yeah. 
literally days before it ended. And I would have <laughs> loved to have been able to call into those shows uh, when they were properly going. I, I used to listen to uh, Play Talk at the uh, back during the day. Um, I would listen to Boyd, but I, I was really kind of, of listening to the Chris Ridden's podcast show, which w- was kind of a joke, really, because, I mean, you know, w- yeah, we love Chris, but, you know, he didn't know anything about podcasting. <laughs> he's, 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 he's learned a heck of a lot. It's, been, it's always a big learning curve. Um, I mean, I've got a problem when I talk online uh, to anybody, even on the telephone or even publicly, because I'm, I'm a scientist. I have to do lots of presentations. Right. And I've got this condition called a, a, it's aphasia. Okay. Now, do you remember Spock? Yeah. Uh, Mr. Spock this time, not Dr. Spock. He's the other guy. On one of the, the original Star Trek uh, episodes, he started just to talk nonsense or to slip in different words. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he got some condition from an alien virus. It's not that bad with me, but it's just the a word that sounds like the word that I should be saying suddenly pops into my into my mouth. I'm trying to do it now, but I can't. I'm speaking normally. Well, if you try to do it, that's like the cure, right? Hmm. I think so. If you if you if you want if you've got a a bad sneeze, if you try to sneeze, you can't. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you you're right on the on the the day to day thing. You know, you have a bunch of people being born today. Sixteenth uh, is it today? Yeah. 16th. And uh, when I looked on the day-to-day for the 3rd of July a couple of weeks ago, I did not recognize anybody. A lot of them were American, I'll say these American poets and authors and Swedish novelists and such like and military people, but I, I didn't know any of them, um, you know. So I think you got uh, you got a, a, a prospicious day, is that a word? Propitious, prospicious day today when a lot of decent people were born. So we get uh, you know, it, it really depends because there's some weeks when there's nobody, but yeah. but usually there's at least a, a handful. And one of the things that uh, you know, because I use this uh, website uh, to to pull up this information, and the thing is, is that I think they stopped updating it about 1999. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I, I, I did notice that there are. You're not going to really be that famous if you're only 11 years old. Uh, well, stars getting younger and younger, of course, but I think they do. They, they chop it off because probably there aren't that many famous young people. Right. Uh, right. But uh, yeah, you were right about the the crusade. It was it was the second crusade, and I've got a, a family link to that. Uh, my my family were involved in the third crusade. Okay. I'm one of those lucky people who can track their family records back way, 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 way back. It's really nice when you can do that. Now, now I can do that on, on a couple of the branches of my family as well. So what family were you connected to? We are, well, my second name should be Enningberg or Enningberg. And uh, it's been changed into, uh, it's been modified. The double N became an M, so it became sort of Emberg. Okay. But the Enningberg, we know what they were up to in... Uh, in, in what is now Palestine, because our family crest, and there's not many of us in England. In fact, there's not many of us in the world. But so we've kept, a, you know, we'd, we've not multiplied a great deal. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. But it's a sword stuck through the head of a Saracen warrior. Mm-hmm. And if you spell a name with uh, with a Y on the end, it's it's the sword is in the right hand, and if it's in the my version with the G, it's the sword's in the left hand. So uh, we we can di- directly trace ourselves back to that. Fantastic, yeah. It's it's really nice to you know because you know uh, this is not something I really talk about on the live show very much, but genealogy is one of the things th- that I pursue. Well, it's massive at the moment. You've got these uh, history magazines. Uh, the there's an American version. I think it's 
uh, My Family Tree. There's the programs coming out uh, for the last two or three years. They're getting clever. And my father has spent, when he's not playing uh, uh, that silly solitaire game on the uh, with the cards on the computer, <laughs> I mean, it, it literally is 19,000 games into it now. Uh, he, he goes out to the to, to use the microfiches, you know, the old style technology in the library. Sure, yeah. He, he pays small amounts to get access to these distant, distant, uh, different. Uh, there you go. I just did it then. Distant to different uh, archives, mm -hmm. and um, he's finding some very interesting things: skeletons and cupboards. Oh, sure, yeah, and you know, every every family tree has a few nooses hanging from it. You know, that that's kind of the, the, the way. <laughs> I like that expression. Yeah, that's right. it's it's true in. And certainly my family is no exception to that. Now, um, I always I've, – I've done shows about this. I've actually, not, not, I don't think I've talked about it on the live show, but I've talked about this on my pre-recorded show. But um, the, you have to be careful because there's a, it's easier than ever to do genealogy online. Oh? Yeah. And the problem with that is that it's easier than ever – to find people's bad research online. <laughs> um, oh, right. Okay, you're having to rely on somebody else. Right. Probably the past, quite a few years down the line, having done uh, something without all the wonderful computer resources we have today. Is that what you're meaning? Exactly. I mean, I started doing I started doing genealogy back in 1984. Oh. Or was it was it that late? It might have been. Yeah, it, it, was 80, it might have been 80. Yeah, it was, I think it was 84 when I started mm. doing it. Um, I, I kind of started doing it before that, but that was when I seriously buckled down and started doing real genealogical research. And the 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 main genealogical libraries at, in the states, and I don't know if yep. this is true in Europe as well, are run by the Latter Day Saints. Oh yes, yes. They they, they that, there's a very special reason for that, isn't there? Right, and that it's because it's part of the uh, the Mormon religion to baptize your ancestors. Mm -hmm. So what ultimately has happened is that a lot of Mormons have put together family trees very kind of haphazardly and sloppily without doing any kind of research at all because they're trying to baptize as many of their ancestors as possible. So they'll go into a record and they'll say, oh, there's a you know, John Smith here and John's, you know, my family name is Smith, so therefore he must be my ancestor. And they'll, they'll put together these family trees and, and they won't be accurate. And so I say that you know, in the Mormon records, uh, if, you, if you're going to use them, that you have to be very careful, even with the, uh, the IGI, which is sort of their, their basic research tool. Yeah. Because I've, I've found mistakes in the IGI. And it's because the, the, whoever transcribed the record made an error. Mm -hmm. So you have to be real careful about that. But uh, you know, I'm able to trace my line back, back to Odin. To Odin, to the Odin. god. Yes. <laughs> um, and and I, there, I make a lot of fun of that on my, on my other show. Um, but it's, you can, if, you, if you find the right connection, you can do that. Yeah, mm. and One of the problems, of course, is that uh, in England, if uh, you are not from a, a, a very, very select line of aristocrats or uh, religious, well, um, you, you you often find people who don't, can't even sign their own name except with a cross, right. and somebody else has to do it with, with for them, and then you get a corruption in the Christ, in, in the surname for Smith starts to look like uh, spelt as M 
S-M-Y-T-H-E, for instance, and then the tracks, this train track going back in time starts to get a little bit... Uh, yeah, that... that I'm just starting to get a bit corrupt. It does. It, it gets it gets real, real scary when you get back, <laughs> get back <laughs> beyond <laughs> the 1700s. With a little bit of research, um, because these people didn't move out of a certain area, you know, in England, you'd be in one village all your life. You might marry a girl from the next village, which is only three miles down the road. Right. That's an advantage to you. You know that this Smith must be the Smith or the Emberg or whatever that was the that's from your line because I mean, I'm, I'm lucky. I've got a, a name that's rare. Uh, if I'm a Jones or a Brown, I've got problems there. Or a Harris. A Harris, yeah. I mean, I yeah. know I know four Harrises. Yeah. Uh, it's the it's the seventh most common name in England. Is it? That yeah. is surprising. I've got to say. What, I mean, does it? What, what's its derivation? Does it mean anything particularly? Uh, it depends on what source you go look at. The the some of the some of the families got it from being the son of Harry, of course. But uh, it's also a uh, it's also a pun. Uh, oh. So yeah, it's a it's a so it it means hedgehog. <laughs> really? Yeah. So it, so it kind of it, it kind of uh, it depends on what family you're from. Now, as far as I know, our family, yeah, we got it from you know son of Henry, but but it's it's a Norman name, Not so it's been sure. around for freaking ever. Ah, uh, you probably were on the Crusades with us then, because we were originally Nor- Normans, right? Uh, and we got uh, land in England because of our uh, activities, as social, shall I say, in in the Palestine area, and we're also involved in the in a, a baron's revolt in about 1400 because the king didn't have a great big army in those days and the, and the barons had enough power uh, to, to, uh, to, uh, to take on the, the, the top man. In fact, that's where the, the Magna Carta. Right, uh, exactly so. The yeah. barons came in there. I, I have seen a very, very special um, tree on a wall, on a, on a, on a, a tapestry, I'll call it. Okay. Uh, I was living with a family who I'm connected to through my uh, Catholic, um, uh, I'm thinking the my Catholic religion, basically. And um, one of these people who, uh, I, I, who they, they, they basically said, we've got a free space. You're going to university up in the north of England. We've got a free room. Do you want it? And I said, yes, sure. And I find, I find out that the people I'm staying with are Lord and Lady... I won't say the name, but they were they were basically um, second uh, in line to the to, well. They were the brother and sister of a lord and a lady. The lord and lady are living in a, a castle in the north of England. Okay. And uh, because they were the, the second, the brother and second sister of uh, they, they effectively got turfed out of the castle, the big mansion. <laughs> with, and, and we're quite poor, to tell you the truth. Not exactly church mice, but on the wall, they um, they pointed out that that, that um, this thing went back to ooh, it went back twelve hundred years. And they were at the bottom, and at the top, actually, it was eight hundred years. At the top was, or near the top, was Henry VIII, and they had a direct ancestry line right down to uh, to Henry VIII. And uh, I, I, I've. I, also got a, a couple of stories. One of them was the fact that they were the banner carriers of the uh, the flag for Henry V at the Battle of Cressy oh, okay. and, and Agincourt. Now, how, how how neat is that? We're well, living it's, with it's people cool. who are. That's cool. Yeah, I think I think uh, you know, my family's claim to fame. You know, other than you get to a certain point in it, and it becomes the Anglo-Saxon royal family. But the <laughs> um, 
but you, the, I think my family's big claim to fame is that uh, to, I am descended from one of the four knights who killed Thomas a Becket. Whoa! No. I wonder if he gave the debt the because the, the, there was uh, they, they attacked him, didn't they, in order to right. make it. And there's no there's no you know proof of you know who struck first or anything That's like it. that. But but uh, according to some of the of the traditions, my ancestor was the one who struck first. Okay, so that could have been. The... And his name was William de Tracy. Now, something else that's interesting about William de Tracy is that he may not have been a legitimate child. He oh. may have been the son of Henry the Second. Even better, right? Um, the the there's some there's some question about that because Henry the Second he produced uh, a lot of bastards, <laughs> um, and he he recognized most of them. So he acknowledged most of them, but but William de Tracy was not one that he recognized. So so the possibility that he you know he may not have been Henry the Second's son. Well, the, the kings and queens of England, their family tree that gets real. We've got broken branches. There's no oh, doubt sure. about it. When you were, and for, because that's why we've got the Tudors leading to, into the Stuarts. You know, third cousin of his of his uh, nanny gets to become king. Right. Um, there's there's definitely Henry the Fifth was certainly a usurper. Or his father was a usurper to the throne. Um, he, Henry V became one of our, our great kings because he went on a march around France and basically beat the French up quite nicely, um, and, and uh, made a lot of money out of it as well. It was, uh, but it was a touch and go thing. But he was effectively along with Henry the Third, who came after Richard, the, the famous Richard the Third, of course, who was only king for a year. But anyway, yeah, it's uh, it's a good. It's, it's an, I think they've got to have a particular type of brain. To want to go into the past, I'm, I'm more of a kind of sci-fi future guy, so I'm I'm always looking in, in into the future. But uh, maybe you've got that same gene that my my father's got. I think I think the the, the gene. I, I think that I have uh, a good measure of both, to be honest, uh, because I, I'm interested in things like sci-fi, and I'm also interested in going back and and digging into the archives and sitting in libraries and doing that sort of thing. And it's something that that I probably should do more, especially during this time when I'm not working. Um, so anyway, uh, so you are, just in case nobody knows this or somebody listening doesn't know, the Cyber John is actually Suko's co-host for Suko and Friends, and you, uh -huh. and you have moved over to Reach On Air. That's right. We're going to be doing uh, it at uh, it's 5 p.m. UK time. Uh, there was a point at which he, I mean, Suko was thinking of leaving 1,000 mics and just stopping, basically, because... Um, she didn't think that she was getting the kind of audience, but we were within a few weeks, you know, with 92, 93 downloads of the podcast. It's worth doing when it really is worth doing. You get a satisfaction when that happens. And I don't know if you, you get the feeling when you've done a really good show, when, when, when you've, uh, when the, it's all worked, it's worked really smooth. You've got a good interview with some special guest or something as well. That, uh, that, that, that makes it all uh, feel uh, well worth doing. I, ne I never do a good show. <laughs> Well, I was going to ask about the Radio Free Asgard, because, as I said, I'm, I'm, I'm relatively new to the scene. What, what is that? You talked about the large amount of present preparation, presentation. Preparation, radio, yeah, ra Radio Free Asgard is a comics-related podcast, and it has to, you know, I kind of do this show along with my best friend Paul, who mm -hmm. is my co-host, but he never appears on the episodes. He, he provides me with, with written stuff. Oh, that's uh, neat to to, uh, to to read out, and sometimes I talk. You know, sometimes I'll I'll say that it was him, and sometimes I won't. But um, 
we are focused on mythology in comics. Mm-hmm. So, so it's Captain America, Wonder Woman, or are we no, fun- no, because no, because we're talking about real mythology. So, so we're talking right now mostly about Thor. Okay, it's a and, sort and- of a Thor-centric uh, podcast, obviously Asgard, but um, uh, and because I'm a descendant of Odin, you know, that's how we build a show. You know, it's like, well, Radio Free Asgard is the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin, <laughs> but but. Uh, we are going to be getting into uh, some Hercules stuff uh, as as it comes up. Mm. And right now, we've just done the ninth episode, came out Thursday, and, and that's kind of the thing. But that takes you know a fair amount of preparation because one of the things that I do on that show is I go back and I review the old comics from 1963 is, is at the point where I am right now. Okay. It's 1963. And... Um, those take a long time to record because I'll go page by page through the issue mm. and describe what happens on every page. So a lot of times I'll end up re-recording stuff or I'll you know make make some silly comments and decide it's a little bit too silly and go back. You know, the, So that's what that is. And, and if anyone wants to hear that, they can go hear it over at RadioFreeAsgard.com. Now, I, I uh, remember there was a first edition Superman of about say, six years ago. It was put up for auction. It went for $120,000, something like that. Is it, is it is a similar kind of rarity value with some of the comics that you've got? Uh, have you got any rare? Have you got any super rare comics? Well, I'm not, I'm not a big collector anymore. I used to be you know, back in the day. Um, I'm not, I, just, I don't want to advertise to thieves how much my comic collection is worth. Um, <laughs> now, uh, at this point, I want to uh, to divest myself of of that particular investment. Um, yeah, some of them are worth money. I, I'm not. I, I don't really have a, a real accurate current value for it all. But uh, uh, last time I had the last time I had my uh, collection appraised was uh, it was a long time ago, and it was worth about twenty thousand then. Ooh, that sounds rather nice. Twenty thousand of your of your dollars, uh, American dollars, right? So, so like fifty p. The current state of the world economy yeah. that would probably be about the right. Yeah. Um, so, so that Ooh. yeah. So, and it's probably worth more than that now. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I just been it's been a long time. But uh, I'm I'm trying to divest myself of the comics, and I'm not trying very hard. <laughs> would you sell? Is yes. it is it something you 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 part with? Yes. Okay. Ah, that's because there's two different kinds of collectors, I think. Because I I collect swords, right? But okay. I, I couldn't. I've got um, about nine or ten different Renaissance weapons. Okay. Uh, but I, I I couldn't bring myself to sell them. Uh, I've got a license. You have to have some kind of license or join or be part of a now, club. Now, are to, the, uh, the, the you're talking about the swords now? Are the swords are they reproduction swords or are they actual antiques? All of them are reproduction. Get, trying to get hold of something that is, um, let's say, two hundred years old. It, you, I mean, I, I, the, the reason why I bought reproductions is I want to fight with them. Okay. I did. I did own a musket from eighteen twenty, and um, there was a lot of people saying, "Oh, you, you know, let's put some gunpowder in it, let's stick a ball in the end and fire it." Which is, first of all, it's illegal in England to do that. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's not in many states in America. Uh, I don't know. Do you even have to have a license to to own a weapon in uh, the U.S.? You, you do need a license in most places to to own a weapon. Yeah, but the license is easily more easily uh, 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 acquired in the U.S. than in, in England. 
they they By stopped far, our yeah. Olympic uh, our Olympic uh, pistol shooting squad, for instance, after the Dunblane massacre. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Do you know what? Have you heard of that? It yes, was a yes. a terrible disaster in uh, a disaster. It was a it was a they the shot up. Somebody went and shot up a school. They shot up a school. Yeah, and of course, yeah, it's been many many since then, uh, like Columbine, for instance. Right, right. Uh, and, and there was a knee-jerk reaction in England, and so we we had no pistol or rifle shooting um, uh, squad of any merit. And to that point, we were very good uh, for the couple of Olympics or so. But I think it's coming back into vogue, and the licenses are a little bit easier. Right. The, yeah. the British government do not like uh, their citizens or subjects having a gun of, or even a, a very long knife or a sword mm. such as I've got. They don't, they don't want people having weapons. It's, um, and, and, and unfortunately, I think, is it Charlton Heston who's the National Rifle Association? Well, he, he was before he died. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I didn't know he died. Yeah, he's been gone a while now. It, um, a couple of years, I think. Well, he was saying that, that not just the fact that we can't buy weapons in, in, in the England is, is uh, tantamount to a sort of uh, totalitarian type of state, but the number of things like um, the the speed cameras and the in the CCTV cameras we have here, I don't think the American people would stand for we, that. We kind we talked about this a couple of weeks ago on my show. I had um, Sizemore on. We were talking about that. Um, yeah, the, the uh, we have we have cameras here, but not to the same extent that they do in the UK, and and really because America is so spread out and. You know, a lot of America is tiny little towns, and you know we're not close together. You know, I, I mean, England—you I mean, have tiny little towns, but they're fairly close together, and it's yeah. it's a more connected, um, you know, by geography. And here, everything is so spread out. There's really no way to, uh, you know, to do something like that here, at least mm -hmm. not in any kind of practical way. But we do have cameras on the streets here. Now, the ones you mainly hear about are the ones that. We'll take your picture if you go through a red light. Okay, that's a that's that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but we do have, and I was talking about this. We have police cameras on certain street corners here in Chicago, and these are particular street corners where you have a lot of crime or a lot of you know drug dealing or whatever. And mm -hmm. but the thing is, is that they're not secret cameras. Everyone knows they're there. Because you kind of can't miss that flashing blue light. Okay. All of them does have that, to be marked with a flashing blue light. Does that mean that people just move the crime to a different area? Exactly not so. kind of That's exactly right. Okay, it still goes on. They just find different places to do only it. The, only the really stupid criminals will actually do their <laughs> thing in front of those cameras. The kind that walks into a bank... Um, and uh, asks, you know, put, puts a banana in a in a, a, plastic, a plastic bag, and then uh, leaves the name and address on a receipt that they've uh, exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the, the teller will ask them for ID in order to uh, to give them money. <laughs> <laughs> my my, uh, my uncle and aunt went to Chicago uh, this year, earlier on this year, to see uh, my cousin, who's uh, now married to a marine. Okay, and uh, they unfortunately. Or, or actually, fortunately, they they got out of the airport and then went um, into the town itself. But they went into one of the very dodgy districts. I don't know if that's uh, if that's if you know the dodgy districts of Chicago or, or not. But uh, because they were they were approached by people, mm -hmm. but because they spoke English as the Queen would speak English, they weren't understood, and so the, they were left alone. Um, 
I, I, I do know that in Chicago there's a, a huge amount of Spanish um, workers, people working in Spain, in, uh, sorry, working in Chicago, who speak virtually nothing but Spanish. It, it's a sort yeah, of, that, that I, I've got the impression that Chicago is a internally a Spanish-speaking city and externally a... Well... A, is that not, that's not right, is it? No, it's not right. Um, it depends on where you are. So, for example, the neighborhood that I live in right now, there are a lot of Spanish-speaking people. So, you know, this is a uh, an area where I live right now, which is heavily settled by people from Mexico. Okay. But it, you can go just a few blocks away, and there will be hardly anybody there who speaks Spanish. So it really depends on where you are. And I'm not sure where your where your parents were, but... Yeah, you know, there are places like we have uh, in here in Chicago. We have one of the largest concentrations of Indian and Pakistani people outside of Asia. Really, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not maybe not as big as Bradford, but you know, <laughs> it, it still, you know, th- th- there are a lot of people in. We have a lot of Indian and Pakistani people in in Chicago, and they're all sort of settled in the same area of Chicago. So, if your parents went there, they would think, "Oh my gosh, Chicago is all Indian and Pakistani people." <laughs> So understood, understood. Right. And we have a Chinatown. Uh, it's not a very big Chinatown, but we also have a Chinatown. So you can get uh, a good curry and uh, a good uh, egg um, foo young, if you, if you know what to call <laughs> I don't know if they actually serve egg foo young in China, but uh, but yeah, you we can have, get it here. You can certainly get it here. Bill Bryson came to, you know, the, the, obviously the, the notes from a small island. I'm very familiar with Bill Bryson, yeah. Um, he uh, came to Bradford and he went to, he, he's only got one passage in the book, Notes from a Small Island. He talks about Bradford. Uh, sorry, he's only, yeah, only one passage about Bradford. In fact, only one passage about the whole of the county of Yorkshire and it's Bradford, West Yorkshire. Uh-huh. <laughs> so he went to this, this, this underground curry house that served him the most delicious curry um, that he's ever tasted. And he has been around the world and he has been to India and he has done a lot, done a lot of uh, uh, traveling and writing about different cultures and such, but he said that it was the best experience in terms of curry you had. I found myself in that same curry house. It's, it is underground. It's in a cellar, and I thought that the mujahideen were in control because these guys <laughs> have the hats and the expressions. And I just the only thing that was missing was an AK forty-seven. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we we got to a table, and this guy um, um, it, uh, came up and said. Uh, well, he didn't say anything, just grunted. And my colleague, who's, who's a, a scientist at Bradford University, said, um, Imrak is in a good mood today. And I said, why, you, why is that? Because he, he said, cool. he actually acknowledged our presence. <laughs> Threw the menus onto the table. And I was looking around for a knife and a fork, as you do, because I'm a cultivated English uh-huh. uh, uh, gentleman. And he said, no, we don't do that here. This is a proper... A proper Indian restaurant. You're, you're expected to eat Indian style. With bread, with right. flatbread. And it was fantastic, and it yeah. was cheap. And uh, uh, we've had a, a many a good meal at that kind of place. And Imrak grunts two or three times now, not just the once. Oh, that's good. Yeah, the, the, very <laughs> first time, the very first time I had Indian food was in London. And I don't know where this place is. And I, I've looked for it many times when I've been in London looking for this place. But okay. I have no idea other than it's somewhere, it was somewhere near Leicester Square. My assumption is that it doesn't exist anymore because that was 1980, so it was ages ago. 
it will not exist. It's yeah. been, the whole of London has been, it's constantly transforming. Yeah. yeah. But uh, this was a, an Indian restaurant that had no storefront. It, you had to go through a back alley off of a back alley. And there oh. were a few chairs and a couple rickety tables by the dumpsters in the in the alley. I mean, wasn't, <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm joking about that part. I mean, there, there were no dumpsters. Hey, no, it's always full of dumpsters. I'll give you that. Yeah, th- 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 there were no dumpsters, but it was uh, it was a back alley off of a back alley, and they served you in the alley. Gosh! And it was my, the first time I ever had Indian food. It was fan freaking tastic, and and like I said, I've been there many. Yeah, I've been to London several times since then. I have never you know, found anything else like it. Do you do you have a particular uh, strength of curry? I mean, it's a very big thing, a man, manly thing in England to to go for the vindaloo, of course. I like the vindaloos, but it, it, it does get to a point where when you're just tasting hot. <laughs> yes, you know. Yes, and yes. and I actually, you know, and I like I like a nice shrimp vindaloo, but at the same time, I usually go for something a little bit milder. Yeah. Um, I go for like the Madras or, or something like that. But uh, it's yeah. something that's a little bit more flavorful as opposed to just hot. Uh, um, uh, there is a, a – a, a, they, they the, in India, they eat the, the chilies, some of the very hot chilies like sweets. The old men will do that. And there's a problem with that because uh, there's a uh, – inside of the very hot chilies is a particular chemical and it attacks the back of the eyes. So after – 40 years of eating these things like sweets, like candy, mm-hmm. they go blind. Ah. It uh, destroys the proteins at the back of the eyes that, that, that effectively um, uh, help you, you know, that, that help you to see. So there's, there's severe warnings needed to be put on some of these substances. Well, yeah, but I, I play a particular trick on my, uh, my girlfriend. What I do is um, the, the, the evolution of the curry has, has not just evolved as um, different spices and such, but it's also in different names. So you can go for a Parthi, uh, and, and my girlfriend doesn't know what on earth a Parthi is. I can see how many ch- little red chilies you know, <laughs> it has uh, on the menu, but uh, I don't tell her. She orders something so soft and uh, and, and wet and, and, and non-spicy that uh, it's almost like baby food. Uh, but I get the I get the I get go for the doppiazza with a little bit of an extra kick. I don't go as far as vindaloo because, uh, as you say, all you do is you you uh, you eat hot. Right. And then uh, she'll say, um, as they all do, can I try a little bit of yours? And because she's been watching me wolfing down this food and going, this is great. Oh, it's so smart. It's so mild and smooth. And she'll take a mouthful, and the steam will come out of the ears uh-huh. and the face will go red. And I will laugh. Because I've done it again and again and again, uh-huh. and she falls for it every time. Absolutely, because because I'm you know I'm obviously relishing it. Do you, do, you, do you know why she can't take it and I can? Why is that? Because women, on average, have fifty percent more taste buds than men. Uh, it's one of the the genealogical. That's not the right word. It's one of the differences in our genes. They taste. Uh, um, substances far more accurately than we can, and they also smell better. So when she takes a mouthful of my curry, it really does invigorate senses. Right. And in Paris, nine out of ten of the what they call the noses in Paris are um, are women. They are the people who smell perfume and um, and and help to uh, to create the next 
uh, Dior perfume, uh, uh, the next range, that, and um, because men just don't have it. Mm -hmm. We've got a few disadvantages, of oh, women, sure, but yeah, yeah. Um, we can uh, we can see in the dark better than they can. We can see through camouflage better than they can, and it's. I think it all goes down back to the the Neanderthal. You know, the, the we, we've evolved this way over how many million years? Yeah, well, and yeah, it's all going sure, down to yeah. curry at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and then it comes out in the curry. Yeah, uh, so yeah, but I, I, now I want a curry. You know, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, I haven't got any in Holland. There's no such thing as curry. I'm here in the South Netherlands. There's nothing. They they, they they make something called curry. They call it curry, curry with an e, but it's not curry. Ah, so and it never will be. Where where whether where in the Netherlands are you? Um, I'm in the south, um, near towards the German border, uh, and that, that causes its own problems because the, the type of Dutch they speak down here, it's almost like somebody going, blah, 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 blah. that's how it sounds when they speak, <laughs> even though I can speak Dutch. Are you anywhere near uh, Valkenburg? <laughs> yes, not about uh, 50 minutes away by train. All right, okay, yeah, because <laughs> I, I, uh, I have a, a little section of my ancestry that comes from Valkenburg. They don't own the castle, do they, by the way, because that's beautiful. I don't think they. I don't think they. They own the castle, but they. They actually left uh, the Netherlands back in the 1600s. So, mm, they, they were, there's. They, I think du the Dutch and the English were the main. I mean, we. we uh, Manhattan was. Uh, was that Dutch at one point? It was, yes. In fact, my fa my family was there. They, they they lived in New Amsterdam. So, um, the thing about the, uh, the the Manhattan when it was taken over by uh, uh, those English um, colonists. <clears throat> Was the amount of nutmeg on the island? I understand, and I, I knew I knew this story, but none of my compatriot English people really know this story. But the Dutch first, when they first I came here, the first thing they said was nutmeg. They know the story. The fact that nutmeg was a spice that was so prized back in the 1600s that it was worth its weight in platinum. Sorry about the beeping sound. Can you, I don't know if you can hear that. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I'm going to close my window. There we go. And as a result, England became really a lot richer than it deserved to be. Mm -hmm. um, and that's part of the problem why they don't have curry here, because all that the Dutch have got is uh, a little island in, in the Indonesia and Suriname, and that's about it as an empire. The Dutch aren't colonists. They're not, they're not fighters. They're traders. Right, right. But they do shout, and they do speak very, very strange uh, language down in the south. And that... Um, and they also will not reply to me in Dutch often. <laughs> they, they, they know I'm a foreigner. I'm obvious the but, way I dress. But can, but can you say, can you say, Schreveningen? <laughs> no, I can't. Schreveningen. <laughs> that's the, that's the, the beach. The beach. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that, that was, uh, I was in the Netherlands back in 96 and uh, staying with uh, an internet friend of mine for a couple of days. And that was, that was what they, they taught me over, over the couple of days I was there is how to properly say Schreveningen. You got it. I haven't, I can't. No, and, and as a reward for for learning how to say it properly, they actually took me there. You've been to Schreven? You've been there? I, I've been to Schreven again. Yeah, it's okay. It's nice. We've got something called Blackpool in England, which is a lot more uh, tacky, a lot more tat. Uh, men dressed as nuns walking down the beach on the. Uh, well, oh, that the sounds like Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's where my aunt and uncle were. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, they they were they were where the uh, the nuns were on the beach. Uh. <laughs> I, I did enjoy my experience in when I went to Chicago. Uh, Chicago O'Hare, very accommodating. Um, I, I used a little bit of my Spanish, uh-huh. but I've got to say the Spanish people spoke English anyway. They, yeah, most of the time. Yeah, great city. Look, look, look the experience. So. Um, We've got you. I think you were going to do something about atheism last week, were you? I, I was going to do that, but I, you know, we have five minutes left to the show, so you know, I don't really have time it's, now. We've been speaking for ah, wow, okay. Well, so, so you've been you've well, been you've been my co-host this week. Thank you. <laughs> no, that's that's fine, you know. And uh, if if people keep calling, I'll keep talking. So you know, because it's the last show for a while, so uh, I'll I'll extend the show if I need to. Well, we know that the podcast thing is 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 really the gold where people uh, download that. Absolutely, so can... yeah. Now, you know, and I've been I've been kind of thinking, you know, I'm going to be a little bit cheeky here, as long mm. as as Lee Mills, you know, who Lee Mills is, right? Of course, he's the guy who says chance. But uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> as as long as as long as he doesn't change like any of the passwords or anything, I'm going to keep uploading stuff to the UKR site. We will too. Yeah. There's also a, a back uh, door uh, into the UKR site as well. Um, I don't know if I can send that to you. It's um, it's Lee Mills. He, what he's done, he's made a, a oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. copy. Well, Lee Lee was uh, he he actually <laughs> built the site on a on a different web web page, and yep. then the uh, the United Kingdom Radio dot com domain would point to Lee's page. But there's nothing there at the moment in terms of the UnitedKingdom.com itself. That apparently, is, now, and I asked Chris about this because Chris actually owns that domain. Yeah. And he didn't shut it off. Oh. Uh, well, what? Apparently, this is something having to do with the hosting. Oh, that sounds a little bit too above my head, the complicated route. Yeah, um, so I don't know what's going on there, but... Uh, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm the last host here on United Kingdom Radio. So as long as, you know, people are not able to find the show easily. And because of that, it just makes more sense to me to go on hiatus, do some pre-recorded content, you know, and not worry about it. And then whenever Lee gets his act together, um, then we can you know, talk about getting the show back started again. And then, you know, it's not, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to judge you know, Lee or anything, but. Uh, well, no, I mean, Ross has recently had a, a, his little Emily and he started not to, he started to do random shows at random times, either on 1000 mics or reach on air. And um, I, 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 I've not got any, any children as yet. Um, and don't plan for any in the near future. But I think the presence of a sm- little small human being in your family life is such a massive, the first one especially, such a massive uh, impact that everything else has to go on hold. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's, I, I, I don't blame Lee, you know. But uh, th- we, he'd been talking about this doing a switchover any day now for about three months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, you know, I, I hate to be—I hate to be the one who is the you know the party pooper and say, okay, no more United Kingdom Radio. But that's just what it's come to. It's a sad—it's a sad yeah. day, but it's also been a, like I said, it's, it's something I, I join in, and everything suddenly starts uh, closing down. <laughs> everything, you know, this is something that, that Chris talked about on his show uh, many times because you know mm-hmm. Chris—he he talks about the same topics over and over again. Uh, and we love him for it, but the uh, everything has a shelf life, 
And yes, this is, yeah, this is yeah, how I look yeah, at it. Yeah. Is that yeah? There there are some things that you know can go on for years and years and be just as strong at the end of ten years. But internet radio changes so much. That uh, as does uh, UK and US. Um, we'll call them magazine shows in the early evening. With, I mean, Conan O'Brien was doing. He was doing, a, doing. Was it the Saturday Night Live show he was doing? He was. Um, he was doing a, uh, a late night talk show. Now, here's the yeah. thing. I don't watch television. I don't have a television, so I. I don't. I don't. I don't. Yeah, so I don't know what the current shows that are on right now are, other than a few. But the presenters they change within four months. And I think it's probably more stringent in America where they change the presenters uh, quicker than they do over here. Over here, they get six, seven, eight, uh, even years sometimes. Yeah. Uh, we've got the famous Terry Wogan. Oh, sure, yeah. He's been around for for ages, yeah. And he had to announce his own retirement in the end because they wouldn't sack him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, here we have, uh, you know, for example, we have The Tonight Show. The Tonight Show uh, and the host for that for the last few years has been Jay Leno. Now, Jay yep. Leno took over from, from Johnny Carson, who did the show for 20-odd you know, years. Um, uh -huh. And there was a little interruption where, where Conan O'Brien was doing it, and then they fired him and brought back Jay Leno. So it kind of did. But here, I think that the talk shows, generally speaking, are, um, I don't know, that... If they're successful, then you'll have the same host for the whole run. Yes, yeah. People like a strong anchor, especially a male anchor. Mm -hmm. uh, the female anchors usually, they, when they start to get uh, a little bit old in England, uh, they, they they move them on, and uh, that's been a, a source of controversy here. Mm -hmm. I've got a tip actually for One Thousand Mics. If you do move to One Thousand Mics, um, the most popular show, the second most popular show actually on One Thousand Mics. Can you guess what it's about? I would say football. Well, the first most popular show is about football. It's about American and or yeah, it is. It's about American football. The second one is a German site with erotic stories. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you want to be popular, you want to dig out those uh, uh, rather well thumbed uh, backstreet novels that you've got and read them out on air. <laughs> I think we've got a young lady doing it. That's what the big pull is. Probably. So, you know, I, you know, I do have a 1,000 Mikes account, and I'm not going to rule that out entirely. But uh, I have told Lee already that when he gets his new station together, that I, that I would be happy to help him, and that means probably, you know, coming on board. But it's going to yeah. be up to him. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And, and because I'm not a technical person in any sense of the imagination, uh, I'm not going to be able to, you know, help him with the technical aspects of it. Well, I found when I was uploading stuff, uh, I just I, what I found is that, that certain operating systems and certain, even if they're based on Windows, are not intuitive, not friendly. My in my in my cool little Nokia mob, uh, cell phone, uh, the Americanism, uh, it, it's not. I, I can't get the answering machine up. Uh, I don't know how to use it. And I'm a guy who's actually very good with computers, but some. Times they throw a spanner in the works, and you, you you think, well, I'm trying to upload this, I'm trying to send this program, I'm, I'm trying to uh, edit the program or edit the, the the text that goes with it, and uh, the computer says no. Um, so I'm, no. Uh, <laughs> I think if he does it, he should make it nice and simple, please, <laughs> for your sake. I think um, Suko's probably going to stay on Reach on Air for now because she's not a woman who 
who likes to change too much. She likes right, to stay with right. one thing. And, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll be listening at least to the podcasts. Great. And, it's uh, been a pleasure. <clears throat> it, it has uh, been a pleasure, yeah. It has been, it's, it's been a pleasure to be part of her show, and I'll continue to do it as long as I can humanly do it. I did a, a one-off last week, which, quite frankly... I then realized just how much preparation you guys put into a show. It's immense. It's such hard work. It depends. It depends on the show, you know. And, and, and I, I, I've heard. I've heard. You know. I think it was uh, Paul Edwards you know, saying that he puts twelve hours of of research into every show he did. Mm-hmm. And I have a hard time believing that. I've got to agree. Actually, yeah. I think it just lets it flow. Yeah, uh, he'll have his beer special or his vegetable garden special or, or whatever it is, but it's still good. It's still okay. It's still, still, I mean, I, still I, it fills in a nice part of. Is it the Sunday night? Isn't it? Yeah, and uh, you know, and for the like things like Radio Free Asgard, you know, I spend four to six hours on on each show, and that's well, it. And I, I consider that a lot of preparation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and it, the, the thing about the preparation, it, it shines. It shows through. Yeah. Uh, as long as you can deliver it uh, as, as a competent presenter and you've got a good voice, and you've got a great voice. You've oh, got a really you. fantastic radio voice, I've got to say. It takes I, getting I, used to. <laughs> it, does. it does. It takes getting used to because I have a very odd voice. Um, well, we've, I'd, I'd say you, you, you come through clearly and, um, and uh, yet it flows. And that's the best part of uh, a good radio show, when it's flowing smoothly. Uh, James Bates is writing. He says, I do hope for the best whatever happens, Tom. Always like your shows with the travel segments, etc. Yeah, the travel segments, um, I promised some travel segments coming up. Those are going to be pre-recorded. And my next travel stuff is going to be about Italy, as they say here. They say Italy. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, I'd like to uh, give you a couple of anecdotes in the future when you sure. do that because I've had a probably dreadful time. In it's my two times in Italy were probably the worst holidays I've ever had. And, uh, <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> but that was in the south. Um, what are we going to find you from now on, Tom? What's the best way to um, access your show stay, when you when, when stay it comes tuned? Um, you, for every show that I do is uploaded on TomHarrisUSA.com. Okay. That includes all the live shows. It does not include Radio Free Asgard. The Radio Free Asgard shows are on RadioFreeAsgard.com. And the reason why is because it's just a completely different type of show. Mm-hmm. So that, mm-hmm. so I thought it deserved its own domain. I'll be listening. Thank. Uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you tonight. It's a great Tom, pleasure for, to uh, speak to you. The last the show. Yep. God bless. Good night. Thank you. Oh, got you're an atheist. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing bless. Good night. <laughs> and that was Cyber John, who is Suko's co-host over on ReachOnAir.com. Uh, Suko and Friends, live from New York. And you can go over to ReachOnAir. And they are on on Sundays at 11 a.m. Central Time, which would be 5 p.m. over in the U.K. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and log off for now. We went a little bit over, but that's okay because this is the very last radio. Uh, <laughs> what does it say? This is the very last United Kingdom radio show. So, to all of you who've who've stuck with us uh, over the last couple of years, and I want to thank all of my co-hosts. Uh, I want to thank Chris Reardon who got the whole thing started, Ross Patzelt who was right there with them at the start, uh, Suko and Lee and Paul. And James and Sean and 
Woods, Zach, and all the other people who, uh, Chris, Chris Speed, um, all the other people who are involved in United Kingdom Radio. It's been a great pleasure. It's been a lot of fun. And I hope that you will all listen to me over at TomHarrisUSA.com. And you know what? There are old shows there, too, that you can download, a couple years' worth of half-hour pre-recorded podcasts. And they're not going anywhere. So anyway, uh, thanks for listening. This is Tom Harris signing off for the final time on United Kingdom Radio. But we will be back. When and where? Don't know. Friend me on Facebook. Tom Harris USA Facebook page. Thanks for listening. Don't cut me off. Jams. 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 I love it. 